Welcome everybody to Run Jump Stomp, your thoughts on gaming. If you want to be part of the conversation, it is incredibly easy to do so. Just grab your smartphone and download the Anchor app. Once you're there, search for Run Jump Stomp, hit the star, hit that voice message button, send me a message, and I will play it on the show. With that being said, let's start off with our very first caller of the day. Before we get to the first uh, call, I want to take a moment and ask you all for a huge favor. We're coming up on the end of 2018, and with 2019 on the horizon, I'm curious, what are your favorite games of 2018? I want to know why you love those games, what you loved about them, why you think that they're better than Game X. Uh, Let me know what your favorite games are of 2018, and we'll talk about it right here on Run, Jump, Stomp. Hey, Bill, this is Luke WTP from your Discord calling in to get some of your thoughts about some stats I have. I looked at how many games came out on the Switch this year versus the PC um, based on how many games they actually have a Metacritic score because if you don't do that, Steam has probably 20 games a day. And anyways, after taking away ports and old games that have been released on the Switch this year and only looked at new ones. The Switch had about 200, Steam had around 350. So I wanted to get your thoughts. Does that number excite you that we have about 60% of the games that are coming out on PC on the Switch? Or does that disappoint you that there's still a 40% gap? And if you have some extra time, do you think that gap will close in the future? Thanks for your content and your thoughts. Keep it up. There are a couple of different ways that we could look at this. The first way that we could look at it is simply the fact that the Nintendo Switch is uh, getting lots of games, which uh, can be considered a good thing. However, I feel like I've talked about this before on my other show. I don't think that it's necessarily always a good thing that lots of games are on a platform. There's an old Atari commercial, I believe, that says... More game cartridges of video game system plays, the more fun it is. I think I tend to disagree with that, because I feel like the best game system is the game system with the most good games. And while on the Switch there has been quite a few really good indie titles this year, there's also been a lot of shovelware. Um, If you've never heard that term before, shovelware is basically just kind of garbage style games, low effort products that really aren't fun and are are basically there to make a quick buck. Now, Steam is, you know, you, you're correct that there's like 20 a day. There's probably actually more than that. Uh, a lot of people call these uh, asset swaps because uh, you can you can download a like a game maker and then take those assets and basically just rearrange them and upload it as another game it's it's a real scam and steam is inundated with them now it 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 is surprising that the the difference between the nintendo switch and steam is so small especially when you consider the fact that steam doesn't really uh curate their store they let everything through it's especially i think it was about halfway through this year they lifted all sanctions and said, go nuts, you can do whatever you want. It's the Wild West out here. While Nintendo it has a more um, curated or nuanced approach to it. So 
you could look at it that it's great that there's lots of games on the Switch. Or you could say, well, there's not nearly as many as there are on PC. But I, I really think that the real question that we need to ask is how many of those, I think you said 200 or 300, how many of those multiple 100 games are really good games? And how many of them are asset swaps uh, or real quick Unity ports? You know, I, I didn't talk about mobile games. And it's not fair to lump all mobile games together because some mobile games are awesome and some mobile games are not. Um, for example, uh, Knights of Pen and Paper started out as a mobile game. I, I played it on my iPhone years ago. And uh, Knights of Pen and Paper and Knights of Pen and Paper 2 both have come to the Switch now. And they're they're both really good games on the Switch. They're both really fun. But they're mobile games. Um, another example, I'm trying to remember it off the top of my head, Super One More Jump. Uh, that's a game that started out on mobile and ported to the Switch. But there's also games that start out on mobile and port to the Switch that are just trash heaps. And I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but uh, the Unity engine runs on pretty much every platform. So a lot of developers, I mean, that's a very appealing engine for somebody who wants to make a game because they can easily port it to multiple platforms using the same engine without without uh, rewriting everything. I, and I say easily, I'll be the first to admit, I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything about computer programming. Uh, but uh, you can use big air quotes here. You can easily port it to other platforms. So a lot of people will make games for iOS and Android because that's a huge, huge market. They'll, they'll make it there first, and then they will do a port using the Unity engine to the other platforms like Steam and uh, Nintendo Switch or PS4 or Xbox One or you know, Roku uh, or, or iOS, uh, the, the Apple TV thing. Uh, they'll port it to all these different places so that they can get a little piece of a bunch of different pies and maybe make enough to to make back their initial costs because when you sell a game on uh, mobile platforms, generally you sell it for very, very little money and you have to really make up, um, you have to make up that, that loss uh, through having lots and lots of transactions. Uh, you have to make it up in volume. So, you know, bringing it to these other platforms at a low cost where games are far more valued. You, you bring a game out on the Nintendo switch that was $2 on iOS. It might cost $10 on the switch and the PS4 and the Xbox one because people using those platforms understand that video games have value. Whereas most of the time, and I'm, I'm kind of getting away from your point, but most of the time um, people who are on mobile they tend to not really care about the value of a game. They just want something to occupy their thumb while they're standing in line. So a lot of a lot of shovelware ends up on those platforms. And because it's so easy to port through Unity, 
it ends up on other platforms as well. I'm really surprised that some of the stuff that I've seen on the Nintendo Switch, like I can't believe that Nintendo of all companies let some of this stuff through. There's Because I get review copies of games every once in a while, and there's been a couple of games that have just been so bad. I was halfway through recording uh, my YouTube video about it, uh, which you can check out at youtube.com slash runjumpstomp. Uh, I was halfway through recording my video, and I was like, nope, you know what? This is such hot garbage. I'm not going to give them any uh, any attention at all. So I shut it off and delete the game. It hasn't happened a lot, but it's happened a few times. And, you know, in, invariably, those are usually games that were mobile ports. So, you know, like I said, you can look at it that, yay, there's a lot of games on the Switch, but I think that the real question is, how many of those are good games? And, uh, you know, which what what games are your favorite games that have come to the Nintendo Switch, the new ones that came out this year? I'd love to know. Anyway, thanks for uh, uh, calling in. You're awesome. The lifetime of a console is all going to come down to how well is it selling. If a continuous, if a console is continuing to sell well, then I think any uh, smart developer uh, will look at that and they'll say, let's hold off on bringing out the next version until sales start to drop off because you don't want to cannibalize sales that you could have made. If you want to look at what Nintendo's done in the past, there's really two lenses that you can look at this through. You can either compare it to uh, just other home consoles or you can compare it to um, just portable consoles. Now, the Switch is kind of both, but I'm going to look at this as a home console because I feel like this, because of its expense, because the Nintendo Switch is $300 and not much cheaper like most portable consoles that Nintendo has sold in the past, I feel like that's where you want to compare things, is with that home console market. So let's look at what happened in the past. The uh, NES came out in October of 1985. Okay, so very late. 1985, and uh, it sold up until, and I, I would say that it continued to sell after this, but I would say Nintendo, quote unquote, gave up on it um, probably in the late summer of 1989, which is when they launched the Super Nintendo. And while there were still games coming to the NES at the time, I would say that Nintendo had had put a line of delineation this far, no farther. After this, we are concerned with the Super Nintendo and not the Nintendo Entertainment System. And a lot of people who had bought NES systems for their kids were really upset with Nintendo about this because they felt like they had been ripped off, which led to this whole weird uh, thing with people trying to return uh, their NES to local stores, and the stores, of course, would take them back and then try to send them to Nintendo, and Nintendo said, no, thank you. And uh, if you want to know more about that, um, feel free to write in, and, and I can talk about that at length and, and some other thing. But let's get back on track here. Uh, the, the Super Nintendo launched in 1989. 
the next console was the N64. Now, the N64 uh, was delayed many, many times. Um, and that, that landed um, 1996 on September. So if, if we're going from 1989 uh, to 1996, that's, that's a really long time for a console. That's uh, seven years. The Super Nintendo had a lifespan of seven years. Now, the Super Nintendo sold really, really well and didn't have nearly as much competition as later Nintendo consoles. It was basically Nintendo and Sega, and at the time, Nintendo was king, was the king dog, and it took a long time for Sega to uh, catch up to them and give them any real competition. And yes, the TurboGrafx-16 came out at this time, but that didn't really offer real competition to the Super Nintendo in uh, North America. Uh, so after the N64 was out, uh, the GameCube, which was their first disk-space system, and I just typed in the wrong thing. Stop that. Uh, the GameCube launched on, I'm looking it up right now, uh, launched in 2001. So we went from uh, 1996 to 2001, so that was only five years. So that was a, like, they went from uh, four years down to, or up to seven years, and then with the N64 only had a shelf life of nine years, um, the GameCube didn't really do very well compared to its competition. At this point, Nintendo really seemed to be on the on the wane. And so then they went from 2001 or September 2001 with the GameCube launch until November 2006. So that was only a, um, only four years, or no, five years. Uh, so then you look at the Wii U, all right? How long did the Wii last? Well, the Wii lasted pretty long. It was on, on uh, shelves for six years, and of course it was because it was selling for a really long time. It was selling really well. They sold 100 million Wiis, uh, even though I, I think most people would say, that the that Nintendo lost that generation, they clearly sold a lot of hardware. It just so happens that there wasn't a whole lot of software for it. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of good software for it. There was lots of games to play, but a lot of them were shovelware, and that's mostly because game companies looked at the uh, the the Wii leading up to launch and they said I don't think that we're going to support this the GameCube didn't do very well I don't want to take a risk on this platform which has wildly different controls is underpowered compared to the other platforms we're releasing our games on it doesn't look like something that I want to launch software on so then when the Wii came out there was kind of a drought at the beginning and then even though it sold like crazy because Nintendo had somehow managed to market it towards the filthy casuals, and and I count myself in with the filthy casuals. I'm, it's not uh, pejorative that I'm I'm using it for uh, a little bit of levity. Um, they were marketing it towards the casual audience to try and expand the gaming market as a whole, and I think it worked. It really did. So that took us up uh, six years. So we went from uh, four years 
to seven years to five years to five years to um to six years and then the wii u came out now the wii u launched in uh 2012 and it lasted up until the nintendo switch came out uh in 2016 in march of 2016 so if you it, it the Wii U launched in November 18th of 2012, so I wouldn't even count 2012. Let's just round that off to 2013. And then the Switch launched on March 3rd of 2016, and I guess we could probably round that off to um, the end of 2015. So really, the Wii U had about uh, three and a half years for its lifespan. And that's because it wasn't selling well. So whenever a, a console isn't selling well, it it makes a lot of sense for the hardware manufacturer to say, nope, we're going to cut our losses and move on. Because that's what you do. You have to, you have to look at the patterns and understand that not everything's going to go the way that you planned on things going and cut your losses and move on. Well, the Switch has been selling really, really well. Um, they sold, I think it was 17 million in their first um, their first year of release. That's the fiscal year. And uh, Nintendo has said that they they think that they can push 20 million units in the second year. I'm a little skeptical that they can do that, but with the stuff that's been going on with Smash and Pokemon, it's possible. It really is. I mean. The Nintendo Switch was the number one selling item on Black Friday. Not number one in electronics, the number one selling item on Black Friday. So Nintendo's going to have a really good fourth quarter of fiscal year 2018. Only time will tell if they're going to hit that 20 million mark. Um, Mr. Tatsumi Kimishima... Um, Oh, I said his wrong name. It's Takeshi Kimishima. Sorry about that, sir. Uh, he was the president of Nintendo up until June of this year, where he handed the reins over to Mr. Furukawa, who is, he, he was, um, I think he was the president of group management, and now he is, uh, he is the new, the new president of Nintendo. Uh, but when, when Mr. Kimishima was in charge, back in January of this year, he had a interview with with um, the Nikkei, which is a Japanese newspaper, and this is a quote that he said. He said, "I'd like to continue selling beyond five to six years, which will be a guideline for the launch of a new model." Now, that doesn't mean that the Wii—I'm sorry—that the Switch has a lifespan of five or six years. Uh, it just means that they think that they that this has legs and when your console is selling you keep it on the market and if you look back at what nintendo's done in the past like i did at the beginning of this conversation you'll see that the big outlier was the super nintendo and i think that the big reason that the super nintendo had such a long shelf life was because of what people were doing with the Super Nintendo hardware. Games like Donkey Kong Country, which blew people away, that game came out at the very tail end 
of the Super Nintendo's lifespan. And that was really out of necessity because Nintendo was having such a hard time designing uh, Super Mario 64. Mr. Miyamoto uh, kept delaying and delaying and delaying. And this was the this was their launch game. They wanted it to launch with the system. And he kept delaying it because he wanted to get it right. And thank God he did because, man, that, that game is a masterpiece. So sometimes there are outside effects that will that will influence how long a a system has a shelf life for. But according to Mr. Kimishima, uh, in January they were planning on going longer than six years. Does that mean that we won't get any hardware revisions? No, I don't think so. I don't think it means that at all. Because if you look at what Nintendo's done in the past with handheld systems, they have a tendency to do upgrades to those systems. They have a tendency to replace things or find ways to make them cheaper um, and bring out new hardware revisions that continues to push things forward. And of course, if they're smart, they'll do them with these crazy colors or something like that so that people will uh, buy them even though they already have a Switch. And that we've already seen uh, companies like GameStop and, and stuff like that uh, say, hey, if you want, you can trade in your switch towards another switch. And those were just, those aren't really hardware revisions. Those were just to get like special edition switches. So I think that we've got a long time to have the switch in our hands. I do think that we will get hardware revisions at some point. My guess is in 2020 at the earliest. I could be wrong about that, but that's my guess. And, um, I think that the Switch is going to have a very long lifespan. And if you bought it early on, then you are going to have a long time where you can keep buying games for this system that you can either play at home or on the go. Thanks for the question. What's going on, RJS? This is Chris, also known as Super Nintendo. I got a real quick question. I was wondering if you think we're going to see um, first parties try to get exclusive indie games to fill out their um, their lineup for the launch of these new systems in between their first party games. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Take care. Every hardware company is always going to do everything that they can do in order to try and have as many exclusives as they can. Uh, if that means that, you know, uh, Sony will throw money at some small company that's making a game to make their game exclusive on the PS5, then so be it. If that means that Microsoft is going to, rather than do that, just throw money at the this company and buy the company, uh, then that's what's going to happen. In fact, Microsoft has been doing that a lot lately. There's been a lot of a lot of news where Microsoft has purchased this company or that company, or they're in talks to purchase a company. And I don't think that that is for this generation of hardware. I'm sure that that Microsoft would be happy to be able to exploit some of these new. Uh, new purchases that they've made right away. But you always have to look at the gaming industry because it takes so long to uh, make games. You always have to look at this as something that is going to happen in a couple of years. So with Microsoft going out and picking up 
um not not bioware it was a it was the whichever company made pillars of create no not pillars of creation pillars of eternity i think let me pause for a second and look it up okay i was wrong it was obsidian that they are uh, were looking into buying this was a story back in october i'm sure that this has happened a lot actually and i believe at e3 uh this year microsoft announced like it was two or three different independent game companies that they had purchased so that they would have their games on the Xbox, uh, on the Xbox, whatever the next one's going to be. I think that it's just good business sense. As a gamer, as a consumer, I don't like it because I want to be able to play the games that I want to play where I want to play them. As a developer, unless you are getting a lot of money thrown at you, I think it's probably better for most developers to say, maybe we'll do a timed exclusive, but we like that's a lot of customers over on the other system that we can't access if we sign an exclusivity deal. So I think at the end of the day, it's going to end up where companies like Sony and Microsoft will buy smaller companies and the ones that they don't buy, they will try and entice them with a deal. And for the most part, I think that a lot of a lot of times it will end up being rather than a an exclusive, it'll be a timed exclusive where uh, you'll have it on Xbox for three months and then it'll be released everywhere. Or you'll have it on the Nintendo Switch for a few months and then it will be released everywhere. Or the same thing with the PlayStation. I'm curious if the new uh, Marvel game, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, which is a, a, it was just announced at the Game Awards, I'm curious if that is going to be an exclusive or a timed exclusive. Because they just said exclusive... And that's a huge get for Nintendo. Nintendo doesn't tend to have a lot of third-party exclusives. Now, it's true, this game is being published by Nintendo, but it's being developed by somebody else. So, if you look at where the exclusive games are going to be, uh, just look where they traditionally have been. I mean, Microsoft owns a lot of gaming companies now. Uh, PlayStation just announced Crash Team Racing, uh, and that is an exclusive for the PS4, I believe. Although I saw a rumor that it was coming to the Switch, that surprised me because they didn't say anything about that at the Game Awards. And that seems like something that they would have brought up. Uh, anyway, thank you very much for the, for the uh, question. Keep them coming. That's it for this episode of Run, Jump, Stomp. Big thank you to everybody who sent in a question, a comment, or an idea. If you want to uh, be part of the show, all you have to do is use the Anchor app, send your idea. It doesn't have to be a question. It can be about old games. It can be about new games. It can be about anything in the gaming industry. Tell me what you're excited about. Ask me questions what you want to know about. Let's talk about video games here on Run Jump Stomp. Thank you again. Use that Anchor app and be part of the show. I'll see you all next time. Bye-bye.